Welcome to First Aid Copites, a podcast for Delaware's Liverpool supporters and their friends. It's October 10th. Welcome, dear listener, to the latest edition of First Aid Copites. I'm Paul, and I'm delighted tonight to be joined by Daz and Justin. Uh, with the second international break upon us, boo, uh, we're going to reflect on the last three Liverpool games, the game against Spurs, which got, definitely got national attention, the game against Union Saint-Gilois, which didn't, and then last weekend's game against Brighton, which was pretty complicated, I think, to evaluate, um, but we'll get to that. Um, Apologise to keep you waiting um, for our fume about the officiating at Tottenham Stadium. Um, I actually was uh, was at the Union Saint-Gilois game, which prevented us recording last week, but here we are now. So, part one, we're going to look back at the 2-1 defeat to Spurs, which still feels wrong to say. Uh, in part two, we'll do a quick brief thing on the Europa League and uh, the training games we seem to have got ourselves into. And then uh, part three, we'll come back and talk about the entertaining 2-2 against Brighton. So, um, not hard to know where we begin, right? Let's let's dive right into that refereeing masterclass. Uh, I, don't, I don't know whether, uh, well, we can talk about Stockley Park, we can talk about Simon Hooper, who apparently now is clearly at the bottom of Paul Tompkins' list of referees who give big chances or who make big decisions against us. I think he's uh, he, he may have a small data set, but right now he's off the charts at the bottom of our list uh, uh, and you know, is much worse than T&E and all those other people that we never would want us refereeing. Anyway, Justin, I'll start with you. We, just, we talked about this coming in, the, the Jones red card. Um, I think all of this has to be looked through the lens of the the non-red card for Kovacic yesterday uh, in the City-Arsenal game. Um, but everything about this felt wrong. Jones clearly didn't even think it was a yellow card from his reaction. Um, but then the genius that is Darren England, who I'm sure we'll talk about, decides that he's going to show him the worst possible slow-motion replay of the Jones challenge. Um, so the Hooper, uh, I think, has no choice but to uh, red card um, um, Curtis Jones. It's one of those where it's... Look, his foot goes over the ball. And I understand that it's his foot makes contact with a wet spherical object, slides up it, and goes over it. But if your foot goes over the ball, you're always at risk of getting a red card, right? We, we know this. Now, the thing that bothers me about it is that the image that the reference showed first is the still of it rather than the entire action of how his foot gets over the ball. And it's, it's, it's like condition, it's, it's mental conditioning. If you tell some, if you show someone what you want them to see first, they are going to be unable to get past that particular picture. Right. And if he's like, it is, you're showing him that image. The camera is right up against the field in front of a ton of Spurs supporters who can very easily influence the decision made there. We know that home field advantage referee influences referees, unless it's at Anfield, but we effectively know that that's the case, right? So why show him it that way? Show him the, show him it at fast speed first, let him see it and then see if he wants to zoom in on it. Right. He's right there. He made the call. He saw it right there. Right. That's where Simon Hooper was. Simon Hooper has a yellow card on the pitch, right? Like him upgrading it to a red card is a problem just simply because of the process. And then also because of the lack of consistency in application of what is serious foul play is getting kicked in the chest and, and, and showing a giant cleat mark on your chest, serious foul play. 
I would say it is, is cleaning a guy out, serious foul play. I would say it is. But these things are all often um, thrown too far into the realm of opinion, right? Refereeing, and in particular giving cards and giving penalties, is ultimately going to fall into a point where it's never going to be perfect. Subjectivity will always be involved with it, right? The entire argument that we're using VAR to try to to try to attain perfection. No, we're using use video replay to just try to make sure that you don't make any Titanic mistakes. And in this game, they 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 did right. The referee was poor when using his own judgment. VAR was poor as far as just how it was applied. Um, I mean. Yeah. I, Without trying to talk about the entirety of the Spurs game, I will say one last thing to, before, you know, kind of giving others air to speak. We played Spurs for 90, we, we played Spurs 97 for 97 minutes in that match, and they were by a long shot the least important participant. Yeah. On their own pitch, at home, in prime time. Well, so for the 25 minutes, and we'll get into this, 25 minutes before the Jones red card, um, it's clear that Liverpool are exerting control more and more control on the game uh they had a, a, a certainly a, a reasonably good start with a couple of chances but uh, i think we had five shots on goal to their one uh, before the the um for the red card um gotta continue with the referee now before we get to the game because i think to your point i think the, the bits that involve spurs were probably uh, less important um the diaz goal they say did i get this right um, that they said, well done, boys, good process, check complete, <laughs> or maybe not in that order. Um, no, they definitely said, well done, boys, good process. That happened. And, uh, I mean, it's clear. So you talk about subjectivity with the Jones thing, which I think is fair, um, although in the light of the Kovacic non-red card, I'm struggling with uh, the kind of what they're using to be that subjective. But uh, but yes, um it's been 10 days uh where where are you with the uh the, the disallowed goal that everyone well the pgml took a little bit of time to come out and say even though they knew two minutes after the decision uh that they got it wrong um well they can't apply the clear and obvious there can they so i just want to go back to something what justin was saying what struck me was i thought about this as soon as i heard the expression clear and obvious i said we're fucked because that gives them exactly that the, the amount of latitude that they need to be able to perform the types of gymnastics that you see them doing now in, in like behind the scenes in front, in front of cameras now and Howard Webb coming out and clearly telling pork pies. That clear and obvious aspect of it is, is so, but basically what, 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 what subjectivity is doing is changing rules to guidelines and guidelines to rules. And, and, and they seem to be able to facilely slip into whichever version of them that they want. Um, what was the ball bag? Mike Dean having that argument with Paul Merson, I know this is kind of tangential, but it's, it's, I think it's, it's germane to what we're talking about is he, he said like rules are rules. I'm like, mate, weren't you the one that said that you wanted to bail your mate out? So you didn't apply the rules. Like, come on, you can't have it both ways. And they continue to do that. When, when a rule is a rule, it's broken. When it's a guideline, it's subjective. And they say, and like the Kovacic thing is like, so I got madder again because I'm like, come on. And we talked about this off air. If you're going to use what happened with Curtis Jones as your baseline, then keep it as your baseline. In the space of that same 90 minutes, Oliver Skip has a similar challenge on Luis Diaz and nothing is done about it. Now, in terms of like just to fast forward to Luis Diaz, Luis Diaz's goal, they knew they fucked up. 
Yeah. They said fuck shit, I believe, on in, in, on on air, or when, from what we heard on the on the, on the recording. They knew, like, so then it's a rule. Yeah. Okay, that's fair enough. Like when it's when it's like when the ball goes out of place, say, listen, mates, um, it's a goal. We're going to go back to the center of the park. It doesn't matter. I was a little disappointed to say that to see that and uh, Ange wouldn't have wouldn't have played in the spirit of the game and let us score from score from from open play as a result of the, the goal being incorrectly chalked off. I understand it is it's tribal and I was a little disappointed. I thought he was a better person than than, than that. And he said some stuff subsequently as well. Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess we shouldn't expect too much in the way of, of honorable honorability from, from, from coaches anymore. I, I think that we're driven by special interests and let's take it back to the refs. It seems it seems that that's what they're doing too. Self-preservation being their primary self, primarily primary self-interest. So, so quick one. I, I, I wasn't, I, so I've not included any external commentary on this because after some of the bullshit they came out with like Neville and company about they, well, they said, sorry, we should move on now. And the, and the disingenuous bull fraud that is Pep Guardiola says, well, we just have to get over these mistakes. Uh, of course we do when it's somebody else's team. And uh, yes, he's never, he's never not benefited from one. Though. That's right. So they've never, they've never apologized to city apparently in all of this bullshit. Uh, despite the fact Brighton have had 15 apologies. Funny that, isn't it? Um, and with that, so I, I don't want to go down too much of a rabbit hole, but um, uh, it, it was amazing that, uh, Darren England and his buddy, who had been in the UAE 48 hours earlier, UAE, who uh, who who are um, who, in whom are have a very important person who is the owner of Manchester City, even if they're not owned by the state. <coughs> um, all seems a bit weird. Um, seems to be so on it for the Jones red card, and then to be so absent for the goal from from Diaz. Um, well, this is the problem, Paul. Like it's like there's this type of subjectivity is is. When it's pointed in one direction, starts to look like bias. Look, you're going to get subjective calls, and you're going to have an inherent biases. It's uh, we're human beings. It happens. I don't think anyone is truly neutral. Um, yeah. You can be you can be affected, like to, to Justin's point, by the crowd, by the noise in the crowd, by the coach calling you a ball bag. Like there's things that will that will impact it, but it always seems to float in one direction. It's always going in one direction, and uh, like so to to what's his, um, to Tompkins's point. The last time we had two yellow cards shown in the same match at Anfield against us was Sadio Mane for Southampton. The, what do you say? The average was five to fifteen games, and like, is the is the average between some of the two yellow cards? Yeah, no, nobody's waiting for unbelievable two yellows. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In fact, in fact it, 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 I think the Mane one was actually at Southampton. But yes, he was the last person. Sadio Mane, who played for us for four years, was the last person to be have two yellow cards and be red carded against us. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. So well, that we feels can get suspiciously on, like bias. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about Taylor's interesting habit of of always yellow carding a Liverpool player first, no matter the game state or no matter the number of fouls. But let's let's um, let's, let's carry on in this path. So the D has won. Um, clearly, not a good process. Um, I know, and uh, I, I may be wrong about this, but did I see that they actually stopped the Chelsea game um, to give them a goal um, after they had allowed a restart? Is that true? I, I, I didn't go back and check because I don't want to be... I mean, if you're looking Chelsea. about consistency for applying these things, they gave Manchester United a penalty after time after the full-time whistle blown, right? Yeah. 
there is a certain amount of they're making the rules up as they go. And certainly for us, right? And, and and you can't operate like that's just not sporting behavior. You can't operate in that way. People are always going to be upset when you make them when you when you apply conventions or rules inconsistently in, in, in ways that impact them. Right. Like it, it still always goes back to that entire point of, oh, you're, you want perfection. Well, you're not going to get that. Nobody's fucking asking for it. You know what? I full well know with the most with, with the best technology that you can possibly give me and officials who are transparent and better trained at their jobs that there will still absolutely be a call that one of them is going to make in a game that will outrage me. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I can live with that. I can live with it happen happening once in a while. I can't live with it happening every single week to my team, right? I can't even, it shouldn't even happen once a week across the entire league, but it happens so many times across the league because the standard of refereeing is really poor. And the guy who's responsible for the referees is, um, you know, a person who, who, who's, who, who shouldn't be trusted with that, with that level of, um, you know, of, of, of responsibility. Yeah. But it's not just that it's, it's, it's this. It's it's not just the, the, the referees inconsistent. They're poor. Yes, all those things are true, but they're utilizing the technology at hand incorrectly or with some sort of with some sort of agenda. They hate it. But, they don't want to think. They think that the way it's always been done is the best way. This is it, it's. I hate to try to get into a point where we actually discuss like political orientations. And I'm going to do this in a very, very broad political science basis, not like anything applicable to what's going on in the world right now. The entire premise of conservatism as a political philosophy is that you, is that you accept that the world is going to change, but you would like to arrest the rate at which it will. Referees are inherently conservative. Like they, they're coming across as inherently conservative. They know that the game will change. It's gotten faster in 20 years Watch, I, I beg you, watch it, watch it, watch a game between Arsenal and Chelsea, who are considered to be two of this is before Mourinho went super, you know, Marine is to what he was now. Watch a Chelsea Arsenal game from about 2005. Wenger, front foot manager, Mourinho, still pretty defensive, but favored a lot more attacking at that point in time. Just watch it. It's slow. The ball is constantly in the air being played head tennis with. The game has itself changed. It's gotten much faster. And the referee is want to feel like they can referee the game like they used to back then without recognizing that, you know what? We can't, it's too fast for us. So that's the kind of conservatism I speak of when I speak of referees. I don't think I'm wrong. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's only, it was, it was amazing to me. I was at the, uh, we'll get onto this in part two, but I was at the union San Jola game and, and they're not, not obviously not a very good team. They're not a Liverpool's level, but the pace of the game, what being at like ground, uh, like the lower level, was astonishing. Like I, I don't remember. Like it looks much slower when you're sitting higher up. I don't remember ever seeing games played at that sort of pace. Um, the way Liverpool moved it around uh, and the, the the speed with which people. I mean, there were very few breaks. Actually, makes you makes you realize why you know teams we play are constantly wanting to take a break over a, you know a, a cramp or a faux injury just to slow the damn thing down. Ref the game against Villa. Yep. And I thought I I don't remember having any major major issues with him. Like when he showed up, I was like, "Oh fuck, this is the guy that's come back after that that absolute blown decision against against the Wolves United match." 
And I remember, but he lost his head. I think that, that yes, I think once he realized, once he'd been told, and so 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 there's different opinions about when he was told. Right? Was he told at halftime? Or was he told right after? Um, but I, I I just thought he he lost it. Like the the, the um, well, let's, let's roll. Listen to one. Um, Max Rushton of the Guardian, who I usually think has reasonable opinions. Um, Set and I was just like screamed at this when I was in the car. Said he thought that Matt, uh, Hooper had re- refereed the game well. Oh, totally begged to differ, mate. I mean, the the let's start with the the two yellow cards on, on Jota. Um, like, I mean, do you recall in a game of eleven versus ten where anyone gets a red card for two soft yellows? Have you? Like, have you seen that in the modern game? Because I, I, no, I'm not going to look well, this yes, up. Yes, now I have. <laughs> yeah, well, right, right. It's right, no longer right. unprecedented. Well, I, I think I think it becomes an outlier, right? When it's only one instance, I do not recall ever seeing anything like it before. Um, I mean, people could say, "Well, Jota was being stupid," but uh, I honestly think if you're giving yellow cards for those two things, uh, both of them in succession, you, you are. You, you're not in control of uh, a sound mind at this point. Well, there's also, I know you put in the agenda, there's the Seller card, there's the Robertson card. It's just like, it, I think that he was trying to exert so, some sort of control or in his own mind, he was getting control back by just like throwing cards. At, look, at, the, at this rate, I think that the, the, the PGML are going to have one of those, those mad libs pads where they just write down apologies and send them to us on them now. Fill in the fill in the gap. Well, they only apologized for the Diaz goal. They didn't apologize for taking us down to nine men, which is uh, I I can't remember the last time a well, serious match. They don't. They also don't agree probably with that independent panel that said this is not a red because if they agree with it, it's admitting another error and it's admitting an error in a game in which you've already made one extraordinarily bad error. And mm-hmm. when you make two errors that big, basically the entire clamor for a replay would become significantly higher, and they would base put themselves across the Rubicon. So they can't basically admit to that. But with like the yellow card, the consistent giving out of yellow cards, it made me think of the scene in Goodfellas where Henry Hill is being sentenced for the first time when him and Jimmy are arrested after uh, going to Florida. And his only response is, judge gave me five years. He was given, it, the, judge, the judge gave me four years. He was giving out time like it was candy. Like, that's what that was. He, 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 he lost control of the game. He, he felt that we were probably teetering on the brink and that he had to control us. And I kind of feel for Jata because like he's coming into that game down to down to 10 men. His entire mm-hmm. premise is that he wants to play, right? He has to be allowed to play. He's trying to give his team a chance to win. And in the action of doing that, the referee's not allowing you to, it's just there, there, there was no good situation for Diogo Jota. So, so I think we can agree that Hoop had a, had a nightmare. Sorry, Max, however you frame it, they didn't just influence the game. They helped, Spurs win the game because Spurs should have been one nil down. Let's start with that. And I think if uh, if, if yeah, if, uh, even against ten, I think we'd have still beaten them. Um, uh, and and maybe we'll just wrap up the the, the kind of Spurs stuff. I thought, I thought Gakpo took his goal really well. I thought the tackle on him actually could have been the worst of the game, where uh, the guy sat down on his, uh, his 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 foot and his knee looked like it buckled. Um, actually, that that was quite concerning uh, to me. Up to up to the twenty five minutes, I already said this. Uh, eleven v eleven. I thought we'd start to control there. I thought we'd lost a bit of control with the eleven v ten. Um, and they had some chances at the beginning of the second half, but then we started asserting ourselves again until the Jota red card. Um, am I, is, is that the way you read it, Daz? Yeah, that's 
I was, I still had steam coming out of my ears at that point. And it's, for me, it's like, as, as, as an English major, I was like reading someone else's work. And when you spot the first mistake, you're consistently scanning for the next mistake. And I think that that's kind of what colored my view of the way I watched that match. And, and to be fair, Hooper didn't disappoint. So it's made lots of mistakes. Yeah. So it's, I look, I, I, your assessment's 100% correct. Um, uh, 25 minutes. I think you said earlier after about 30 minutes, it was, it was looking or 25 minutes. It was also looking like only one team was, 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 was probably going to win that game and they weren't wearing white. To be honest, like the, uh, it's, it's the same thing against Newcastle and and Bournemouth. Anytime we've gone down to 10, it seems like our heart grows three sizes and our lungs puff out just that little bit more. And it's, I don't know if it's grievance or being aggrieved that, that does it, but it's we, we become a different animal. We, we become more dangerous, honestly. And I think we lent into that with 10 uh, to, to a point and then fatigue probably settled in. And then when it was nine, it was just... It was any and all hands to to the pump, and we were short two pairs of hands. It really was unfortunate the way that it ended. Like tired legs, a little bit of lactic acid, probably didn't get across in time. What a finish, though! What a fucking finish! Top bin. No, no. Better fucking Spurs player that game. I mean, yeah. that that does make me laugh actually. Just in, and maybe we'll get, just to build on that, uh, that, that they were celebrating it so much about how they made a breakthrough, and it's like. Actually, I don't think he made a breakthrough at all. <laughs> like you, you were helped to this. It wasn't wasn't of your doing. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, it's the type of thing which I feel bad for Joel Montip because he played great, mm-hmm. he played fantastic, and defending for ninety seven minutes down down a man and then down two men is is really 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 hard. It's hard defending nine for for ninety minutes um, with eleven men. Um, I do think that if Diaz scores, we probably win that game. If the Diaz goal counts, we win that game 1-0. So I'm always going to be pissed about it. Um, I mean, even though Diaz also had a chance, I think it's 2-1 right before the strike at halftime and missed that. I feel like if we had gotten ourselves a lead in that game, we never would have relinquished it. I, I, I genuinely was not impressed by them. I think that they have, I think that they have some good players and a good coach, but their players aren't great and their team isn't great and their coach isn't great. I think that they're, yeah. you know, I, I think that, a lot of the points that they've picked up have been fortunate, like beating a bad Sheffield team at the last minute, beating us with the way in which it happened. Um, they were good against Arsenal, um, but they haven't. I mean, Luton, I mean, look, they beat Luton, Luton Town down a man, but like we fucking beat Newcastle down a man. Like there are levels to this shit. Um, yeah. And good luck to them. I think that they're going to, there's, there's a rough patch coming when they actually have to start, you know, coming up against other teams that aren't in the bottom 10 uh, or aren't actually even in the bottom four and uh, play with 11 men play with 11 men. Like they're going to, there's going to be a wake up call. There's t- like, I, th- I think that they are a good side. I'm not trying to disparage them. I think they're good. I just think they played no one. They, they beaten the teams that they're supposed to beat. Um, they, they, and they got a stroke of luck against us. And like, you know what? Hats off to them. That's what you need in this league. Sometimes luck is better than being good. And I just don't see it lasting. I did watch the Luton game, actually. And um, they, they, they should have probably scored three or four in the first five minutes. But after that, they really toiled. Um, and then you know, if, if Luton had a half-decent player up front, well, and they do, I think, but he just didn't get it. He didn't get the chances. Um, yeah. they, they, they felt like they could have played for days and not scored Luton um, I do and it's a different conversation um, I think beating Luton um, away 1-0 it, 
is doesn't reflect well on a top team. But uh, we'll, it's, we'll, yeah, it, if you're beating Luton away one nil in May, and 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 you know you just need the three points, totally yeah. different story than yeah. beating Luton away in October when you're supposedly flying, like beating yeah. them one nil away when you're supposedly flying. Yeah. But one thing I will say about the about this fixture is the return fixture is going to be lit. If yeah. if if Darwin Nunes's energy after that game is anything to go on, that man might drive down to London, camp outside some of the players' houses the night before, and then follow them up in the bus in his car. I I, th- I don't think he's. I think he's going to be on one when he comes back. And barring any type of injury, I think that, that he's exactly who you unleash against them. It's like one of the last games at home at the end of the season. So it actually might be meaningful as well. So, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I agree with that assessment. I don't, I don't think we have anything to fear with them. In fact, uh, you know, in the round, what we've ended this um, period before the international break, three points behind them. Um, we've we've played some serious away games. They haven't really played. They played one game, I guess, away at Arsenal. Um, quite a few difficult games for them to, to to play. I'm quite happy to be three games behind. I mean, the, and the only reason the first is because they scored like 25 goals at Burnley um, or whatever the, the number was. So they don't have much depth either. I think. Look, oh. I, I I think saying that there are a couple of injuries away from being mediocre is, is probably the similar assessment for most teams in, in this league right now. Like, but their drop-off is, is is pretty significant. If they lose Son for any extended period of time, I think that I think they're going to struggle. The the good news for them is they've got Betancourt and uh, and Brennan Johnson to come back. So so the, the, there is something. But but you're right. If they they uh, have to rely on uh, I know uh, Eric Dyer, for example, or Hoiberg then, yeah, I, I don't see them um, thriving much with those players. Hey, welcome back to part two of First Day Copites. Uh, we are just going to have a brief chat about uh, our Europa League training games. Uh, fortunate enough to be at Anfield on um last Thursday night, um, to watch the Reds um, have a, what, what really seemed like a big training session with, with a lot of people in attendance. Um, it's actually the first time I've been at Anfield since uh, we beat United 7-0, which uh, is never a bad thing to kind of recall. Um, uh, it was clearly not a, 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 an event like that. The game, in some ways, was a bit flat because it, it did feel like um, Liverpool were getting a workout as much as they were anything else. Um, I don't know how much of the game uh, either of you had a chance to see, but I'll start with you, Justin. Um, Union Central were clearly a level below us. Um, and probably the only question about the Europa League is, will it take us more than three games to lock up the group? Um, but your your experience of Thursday? Um, I mean, I watched the entire thing. I thought that they were... Um, I, I thought that Union Central, it, it, I don't think that they were good. I think the scoreline at 2-0 flatters them because we just... We controlled them in second gear. We controlled in second gear. They're not very good. They're, you know what the highlight of it for me was? Watching a set of other supporters come into Anfield and for, for two hours just support their team, have a great time doing it, not be complete asses, no violence, no fucking poverty shaming, no tragedy shaming, just a, just a set of people who want to support their team. And you know what? I deeply respect them. I, I respect their supporters. I respect the ethos of the club. 
Um, I found out more about the club itself. They have a uh, deeply ingrained anti-fascist politics within the club. Um, oh, wow. They are, they, they are, they are, um, you know, made of the same skin we are. And, uh, I, I, I like them. Now the other thing about them is they are a feeder club of the play of the club we played on Sunday. They are, they are owned by the same ownership group as Brighton mm-hmm. operate the same operate by the same scouting group. I don't like multi-club ownership because of the fact that I do think that it is, it permits, um, some very, very, very bad behaviors, but to be perfectly honest, I don't think that I'm going to pick a club that's owned by Brighton's owners as a uh, particular place to protest too much because I do think that Brighton is also a football club that I admire um, mm-hmm. and I like how they do things. So, um, yeah, just a just a good set of just a good set of teams to play against. And you know what? I'm happy that the McAllister brothers did get to play against each other. Um, Jurgen Klopp seemed to wonder about it as well. Um, when asked if it, when he asked if it was the first, uh, pair of brothers to ever play against each other, someone brought up the Nevilles to which his response was, well, nobody cares. Lovely. But, but, so seeing them in person, they were absolutely wonderful. There were a ton of them in the Liverpool shops buying Liverpool stuff, uh, by the way, which I thought was lovely. My only complaint is because there were so many of them, the soccer bus took a lot longer to get me back into town than it, it usually does. Um, uh, but uh, hey, that's a small thing. I do think the one thing from a playing issue might have been, I think Endo might have played 90 had it mm-hmm. not been for the Callister um, catch-up and that might have benefited us, I think, against Brighton. I, I, it's hard, hard to say. Hard to say. Daz, thoughts on Union saint gilois Really uh, uh, love their fans. Love the fact that they joined in with you'll never walk alone. Um, actually, took a video as long as it wasn't on a selfie stick, we'll allow it. I don't think I own a selfie stick, so but, uh. <laughs> probably couldn't pick one out in a lineup. No, I, I I think it was it was a nice day out. It was. I don't think anyone's going to categorize it as an instant classic. Um, you look at all the meaningful statistics. Uh, we did with 73% of the possession, over 500 passes, 19 shots. It was like, I'm just going from memory here, but there was, I think I expected goals was 2.92. There was a little over one. I, I don't think we were ever not in control of that game. Uh, there's there some nervy moments, but that's always because like, I think that we're very kind to teams, especially when we are in second gear. And I don't think we ever quite made it out of second gear. I would like to your point. I think it was, use more as a training exercise, but you're coming up against a team that this is like, this is a cup final in Wembley for them. It's like a champions league final, essentially for them. I don't think you have to pay them too much respect, but you have to respect what they're going to do. Like they, they're going to give it 120% regardless of what their last fixture was or who their next opponent are. Um, so I, I don't know. Like, I, I think that the corollary stuff that you guys are mentioning was was probably more of a story than than the actual game itself. My one takeaway from that is like I wouldn't mind seeing Endo in a midfield that had with a with our first choice midfield and our first choice pairing behind him. I know that the, the Leicester game was was kind of his was, was be kind of his quote unquote masterclass for us so far. And I know people are saying, well, it's only Leicester, they're a league below, blah, 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 blah. I understand that, but you play that you you play who's in front of you. And yeah. well I, but, but to be fair, Leicester does Leicester also are look like they're gonna run away with the um championship. So they are probably the best team in that division. So that, yeah. that isn't quite saying, oh, we played Reading and he looked good. Again, I'm I'm with Justin on this. Like I, I <laughs> we did have uh, uh 
pre-match analysis of it. And I think it was what, 35, 45 seconds. And it was probably 35 seconds too long because we knew fuck all about them, but they, they, they handled them. they acquitted themselves admirably. Like, they, they they just seem like a good bunch of good bunch of people, and now hearing that the anti fascists makes it makes them it just helps them jump up a couple of steps, and probably most people's esteem in terms yeah. of Liverpool fandom, maybe not so much Chelsea. It was a, it was a nice day out. I'll I'll I'll, fi- I'll file it under that category. Yeah, it it, it was and it was and and they were really really very very nice. Uh, a couple of things to probably round this out with. Um, obviously being there. Um, had a couple of different perspectives, but I actually uh, managed to walk past them in the in the like morning. They must have been doing their morning walk uh, from the hotel, and uh, I, I confidently told um, the person next to me in the stand, "They're a really small team. They were like, oh, they're all my height." And it turns out they had three fellows who looked about six foot seven. Who obviously <laughs> I was doing something else. They were doing it. They weren't on the walk. They were already on the bus. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, the, the people I walked by were, were my height. There was, but then they found these these guys because the the one the one guy didn't look very mobile, but but uh, he looked very big. The 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 guy up front. Um, not that that made much of a difference. Anyway, yeah, uh, good win. Um, I think we're we've got Toulouse at home next uh, in the week after the international break. Yeah, so, I think they beat Lask. Oh, so Toulouse may be the best. We said this. By all of them, right? Maybe the best of the team in the group. Okay, all right. Let's let's leave it there. Um, yeah, it's uh, Europa League. It's kind of fun. I'm I'm enjoying it. Um, you know, no, I mean, it's no, easier uh, no. playing when you know you have to be someplace on a Thursday every single week, rather than you know it might be Tuesday, it might be Wednesday, it might be Tuesday, it might be Wednesday. Yeah, although twelve forty five is 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 a bit of a challenge, and we're yeah. going to face a couple more of them. But uh, yeah, 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 that's good, good. So uh, yeah, so the other good thing is, you know, generally we've, we've played these games after some English team who shouldn't be in the Champions League at all has embarrassed themselves. Manchester United. <laughs> I'm going to end part two then. Hey, welcome back to part three of First Day Copites. Uh, we're going to round this out uh, by kind of finishing off our review of the last week with the entertaining 2-2 against Brighton. Um, uh, I've watched most of this back. Uh, and this really, I find a difficult game to analyze. It's not a game where I feel like it's easy to say, oh, I watched it back and they didn't have any chances. We were all over them. Uh, I felt like there were moments and they had moments. Um Let's start with the first 20. Uh, I don't know whether it was a conscious effort to conserve energy, uh, not give too much away. Um, a couple of reasons. One is we've got some really bad memories of this ground that are very recent. Um, and we obviously didn't have the same cavalry off the bench, thanks to the PGMOL's uh, insightful decisions the previous weekend. You know, no Jones available, no um, no, no Jota, uh, and, and Gakpo uh, was injured in that uh in the in the Tottenham game, um, it, it, we didn't start off well. Uh, I'll start with you, Justin. I think we got the midfield wrong. I think more physicality in the midfield would have allowed us to do uh, to do more things. Like we would have been able to control the ball more. We've been able to like we were missing someone who could carry the ball and glide past because we had three. We had Sabazlai and other and two passers, and we needed another ball carrier. 
and the lack of a ball carrier against that against them, especially considering how they press, really played into their hands because we just we were we weren't able to pass out the back. If we had someone who we could pa- who we could pass to, he could shield and then turn and get us up the pitch that way. I think the dynamics different, and that's where grabbing Birch probably comes in, or you play endo deeper, have somebody shields and you and and use because he is more naturally going to go backwards to the ball, and he is going to create different passing angles to get the ball hit the ball forward too. So yeah, I just think it was the wrong place to start Harvey or if you're going to start Harvey, you have to double pivot behind him. And what we did was we single pivoted behind him and that really didn't help us. And we only started gaining a measure of control once actually Sabazla started coming deeper. Um, but yeah, I think it's, and I think it's partly influenced by the bench, but I actually think Harvey coming off the bench gives you a different element in attack, which is the only thing we didn't have in attack because you can use Harvey as an attacker. Yeah, I did. I did um, see somebody talk about how Elliot's best games are where we have sixty percent plus possession, um, and clearly against Brighton, that's not going to be an expectation. Um, so, so I, did, I do think the Elliot was a factor, um, but but I think we also know so Graben Birch hard call because I think so far we know he can't play ninety minutes, so we just start him and Trent and Joel Matip all of whom potentially are not going to make it 90 minutes, like felt like a stretch. So we probably had to give that up somewhere. Do feel like we miss Jones uh, hugely here. Um, you, as you probably listened to the commentary, um, I only heard the commentary on the way back. God, they talked to Brighton. Um, it didn't seem to be created actually uh, as much as the commentators would have you believe. Um, and we, we actually did a really good job in the last 15 minutes getting the second ball, uh, I thought. Uh, we we created a couple of chances before we actually scored. Um, what what, what you thought about the first half in particular, and then we'll go on to talk about once Graven Birch came on and made that change. I, I take your point about the first twenty, maybe us growing into it. I think that there was a, as a couple of different factors. Klopp didn't come with his two point oh mentality. I think he came with his one point five mentality, but based on probably exactly what you're talking about, those two gutting losses that we had to them last year. Over the last 15 games, you know what our record against them is? Oh, uh, but, so, but I'll so, put a stat out. They've, we, I'll, I'll help you with it. We've won nine, drawn three, and lost three. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, so, and the point about the commentary is, like, if Klopp comes out and says that they're the best managed team in the Premier League right now, I think he's given them license to be able to take that and run with it. So, and they are, they're a tremendous team to watch. And I think the danger comes from the fact that they can play in numerous, a lot of different systems within the course of, of 90 minutes. I think that if Klopp, also like you have to look at them, like we probably caught them at the wrong time. If we could have caught them, and I think that Neil Atkinson talked about this, if we had got them in the week that they played Villa, I think we would have won. I think that that 2-2 um, in, the, in the midweek in, the, in their Europa League game when they were behind at Marseille, I think that that probably helped buoy them a little bit because I was thinking to myself, if they go down three or four here, they're going to be a different proposition. But I, I, the first, I just think the first 20 minutes, like we were, we were far too cagey. And that's why I said, if we had to come out as two, as 2.0, and in fairness, like most, a lot of the away games, it takes us a good, it takes us a good 20, 20 to 30 minutes to, to kind of start feeling our way into it. Unfortunately, the, the 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 pattern in the past was we concede and and I, we're doing the same thing we did last year it's like I, our defense overall is pretty damn good but when we fuck it up 
it's egregious enough that allows them to like it, that, that ball from Virgil to to McAllister. Every kid since the dawn of time has been told to step to a ball, especially if it's a slower ball. And he's static. I'm not sure if he even wants the ball. And the guy nicks in and it skips under Ellie's hand. Ellie was there, just went under his hand. If you look at it, if you look at it again, it was it's literally a game of millimeters. He gets his hand on that, goes around the post, no harm, no foul. But in the cold light of day, the way that it transpires, it just looks like a massive cock-up. Their second goal, same thing, from like an unnecessary challenge on the edge of the box that gives a referee pause and says, okay, fair enough, I don't like this fucking team. Yeah, have a pen, have a free kick right here. And then to Robertson bailing out of it. Like with, it was the shades of 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 what's his fa- of Matip's goal the week before in his head, like I don't want to get my leg on this and redirect it in. But you'd never, ever pull your leg away from a ball if you're the first line of defense. It's the same thing as ducking your head away from the ball if, if you're going up for a nod and you, and you get out of the way because it fucks everyone up behind you. You just made me realize what Sean Rogers was talking about, actually, on the review show where he said you need a right-footed uh, defender there because the way he was shaped, yes, he could have intercepted, but that's so much easier if you're naturally right-footed to clear it. Um, than it was in his position. Not not saying he shouldn't have tried. Yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of different. There could be a lot of different reasons that he's a smaller guy. Put him on the front post, so he's like he's not challenging bigger guys behind. I just yeah, but it's it was again. It's 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 just an egregious yeah. like individual error, and that and by and large, that's what that's what cost us that match. You could yeah. you could talk to talk about how Gravenberg misses misses one from about six yards out that he should absolutely finish. But if you look at it, you know what the XG on that was. I think it was, it was no. point, point six nine. I think is what they attributed the XG to that to that effort. It's a little behind him. It's oh. on his off foot. It skips up. He's trying to redirect it. It's like yeah, he should finish it. He absolutely should. But like you, I've seen Dirk Kite put a ball over a crossbar from three yards. <laughs> so it, it happens. So what you're saying is Dutch strikers are flawed. Um, <laughs> bin them, bin them all. No, it's uh, yeah, but the first twenty minutes we we weren't weren't particularly good, and it's almost like going a goal down or something like a near miss is is kind of that spark that lights the fire, uh, and we need to stop fucking doing that. We just we 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 need to we need to be better. We, like it's we need to be tight as a drum in the back and stop. If, if we can if we can minimize those individual errors, which you can't you. You can't litigate for like that. They they happen, but we seem to get punished quite frequently by by individual errors. Well, I think the Graben Birch shot goes in. I think the game's different, right? I think this is a really difficult game for us. I mean, for lots of the dynamics, you know, uh, like the the fact it's Brighton, and I think they are really well coached, and they had the weird thing going on with Pascal Gross playing the third. I mean, that was confusing, right? Who's the third in a, a back three when they typically play with a back two? Um, l- l- lot of stuff going on on there. But um, l- just I'll go, go to you with the penalty because um, one of the things that got called out was that. So, so here's how I viewed it: um, that Gross deliberately drags Sabonis lie down. Um, the PGMOL claimed that it, it couldn't have been a red card because right away. So Bosley was not in control of the ball. Well, it's really hard to be in control of the ball when someone's got hold of your neck of your shirt and pulling you down. But by by the by, but I actually think Taylor was given the penalty based on the other challenge because if you look at him, 
he's pointing to the left of the penalty spot, not where the 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 Soboslai drag down occurred. Uh, so so I actually think he was he was decided to look at something else because that wasn't quite as egregious as the. Still a card. Uh, if that's the one he's pointing to, it's still a card. Yeah. There were no cards. Yeah, there were no cards involved in this at all. You know, like, uh, which you know, I I'm not I'm not a huge fan of carding everybody but at least be fucking consistent rules are rules until the guidelines like i said yeah yeah, yeah i mean it's just you know it's just, it's look at look where the ball is when isaac is sent off for virgil van dyke's red card which by the way was a red card like he's a last man Daz, you and i had this conversation when it happened both of us were like this is a red right it's the same concept i guess maybe because it happens next to the goal mouth instead of a player being clear through one-on-one the referee has like no idea on how to apply the law that way which is a similar prop, which is you know the same problem with the referees not necessarily knowing how to apply the rules consistently because they don't necessarily know the rules. But yeah, that's that's basically what it is. It's 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 a refereeing mistake. At least he got the penalty right. And at that point in time, when we went up two one. The only thought that through my head was we need a third, or the, or else we're not winning this game. Yeah, and but again, that irrevocably like that missed call irrevocably changes the course of that game. Yeah. If they go down two one and ten men after getting their dicks kicked in the week before and scrambling a tie against Marseille away from home, that they become a different team entirely. Then it becomes about like, like mitigating, mitigating potential big loss because then we'll have our tails up and a one goal lead. And it would have completely changed the nature of that game, probably more significantly than, than Ryan Gravenberg scoring, scoring a third. This may be our worst performance of the season, actually, because of the opponent and the way I think, um, we were outside t- at times. Um, Gomez wasn't great coming on. Um, Andy Robo seemed off generally uh, in the game. Uh, Neil Atkinson talked about Diaz being terrible. Uh, I, that felt a bit harsh to me. But, I mean, there was certainly a lack of um, cohesion, I think, at times in the game that, that made this one much closer than than any other game we've played apart from the Chelsea game this season. Our left-hand side with, with Andy Robertson and, and Luis Diaz is not a particularly productive side of the pitch for us. And I'll go ahead and say that. I think I will say that I think it depends who plays between them, um, who, who their link is. And I think Curtis Jones has been carrying a tremendous and very capable amount of water for both of them. And, but I think Andy Robertson, I don't think ever, ever, ever recovered from the loss of Sadio Mane. They just seem to have like a preternatural sense. Like how many times did you see, you see Andy marauding down the wing, regardless of who the opponent is, if, if Luis Diaz is there, because Luis Diaz isn't looking to, to, to set him free, drops a shoulder, brings it inside, tries to, tries to bring it more central. Whereas Sadio Mane was more than happy to let him roll around and flick it in and then, and then head, head inside himself. So it's, it's just not particularly productive. And Andy just, I don't think he's looked himself quite himself this season period he's had he's had some great performances i think his chelsea performance was went flew under the radar because he was left out on an island by himself there quite frequently yeah. um but he's he struggled and i think atkinson's probably his sense of consternation comes from the fact that you watch it happen week in and week out with diaz it, he's he's such a he's such a streaky performer like he, he brings the chaos he brings he brings directness but he can be very very frustrating to watch losing the ball with his back to their goal standing on the halfway line and all of a sudden it's a break I saw him on the, on the, like he was on the right hand side of the pitch, basically standing on, on Salah's boots. And he has happened to us before. He vacates the entire right hand side, their right hand side of the park, one big switch. And 
that we're in trouble. And it's, ha- it's, it's happened a couple of times before. And that doesn't feel like it's, a, it's calculated. That just feels like him going full Labrador puppy. Because uh, I can't imagine Klopp saying, yeah, yeah, just fuck off over to the right-hand side of the park, give uh, Salah high fives, see if he can get something out of there and then jog back over. Yeah, a nice one, mate. I don't, think that's, I don't think that's in the cards. You ask him to be, you can ask him to do what he does, fair enough. But I think when it, when it, doesn't, when it doesn't work, it looks spectacularly wrong and it can be very frustrating to watch. I'm not sure about that, you know, um, because <laughs> a couple of things. I mean, he has some Bosley switching all the time back and forth, um, kind of one side to the other. So so it, I don't know what the direction is for Diaz. I thought, by the way, his his, his, uh, his turn for the goal was was absolutely awesome, the way he wriggled away from the challenge, mm-hmm. passed yes. it into Darwin. So I, I, I think there are moments, I think there are other moments, though, where it's like, you know, what's his role? I think, and, and I, I go to you, Justin, about this, because uh, a couple of weeks ago, you said, um, you, t- you talked about Jones, about do you th- I don't know if he has a question about um, do you think he's made a big impact? But I think the the so where I'm going with this is my answer was I think we'd have won a Chelsea if he'd played. I think we'd have won here if he'd have played um, as well. Um, I think I he, think we would have too because he's he's first off he's significantly more defensively important than you think. He also provides balance to both Diaz and Robertson. He's an important outlet in taking care of the ball because if you look at him, he barely gets dispossessed. He completes usually around 90 to 95% of his passes. Um, he's really important at getting us up the pitch. He doesn't really doesn't take a lot of stupid risks. He's very good at supporting attacks around the box. He knows when to make a run. He's a very good footballer, and I think that he's significantly more important to us than uh, than, than we than we thought. Certainly in the last couple of months, right? At the end of last season. And now yeah. it's absolutely true, yeah. Um, maybe um, the the gap on my red shirt that needs to be filled in should be Curtis Jones at this point. I want to finish up with one thing, and I'll go back to something we talked about earlier, about the refereeing in, in, in this game. Taylor gave him 20 fouls in this game. That's a pretty high ratio, right? Uh, and I would say at least 10 of them were, let's use the word we started with, subjective. He, while he rates quite good on big decisions for us, he's like only Michael Oliver is better than him, which it's a low bar though compared to other teams. He gives so many of those, like what I call half fouls, including the one that led to the second goal. Uh, and I've lost count of the number of games where the Liverpool player gets the first yellow card for whatever reason. And it's usually for less than something he's let go from the pre other team. Anthony Taylor does um, knows enough to keep his stats looking good, but uh, but still manages somehow to get me angry. You know my feelings about him. I, t- I put them up in the group. He's the only referee that I've seen get in the way of our players. He did it twice. twice. Yeah. So Bosley in the Chelsea game on top of our eighteen-yard box, we could have been in serious peril. And then somehow he meandered into it directly. The, the, Mo Salah was chasing a ball that had been cleared. And there's a good chance he would have got there right around the same time that the other guy got there. But Anthony Taylor stepped in front of him. There was a lateral pass from, I want to think, McAllister stepped in the way of that. He's, he's just, he's like the death of a thousand cuts. Every, every cut, and, and they, they all add up to him making himself a focal point in the fucking game, especially for a red, a red, someone that supports Liverpool. And you can you just, you just start to log them, and it's like it, it just becomes like a cognitive dissonance thing. Like, oh, he's going to do it again. Oh, he did it again. There he goes again. There he goes again. Like, you, it becomes like resistance fatigue as well. Like, you're like, how many times do we have to keep talking about people influencing games with with with, with small decisions? Either way, deserve be said that the 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 the, the, uh, the free kick that he gave away that led to the second goal was not a free kick. 
the coach of the other team came out and said that. Yeah. Actually, one of my favorite moments of the match, speaking about Deserby, was after he got the yellow for yelling at the referee about the handball, Klopp going over and trying to make sure that he rescued him from getting a red card. Uh, like, look, I, I kind of have a, a certain dislike for when managers respect each other and like each other because I want to view this like, you know, like I like the personality clash, but like I'm not as bothered by Klopp liking Deserby as I am bothered by Klopp liking Guardiola. The good news is Pop, Klopp does not like Guardiola. I mean, I think we, we really know this, right? <laughs> Yeah, they used to respect each other. Yeah, you can yes. respect your enemy. It doesn't mean you like them. Okay, so um, are we done with Brighton? Um, I, I just want to ask one question of each of you, actually, before we're done. We're three points behind Arsenal and Tottenham after eight games. Um, I think we'd argue that our eight games have been harder. Well, our stats actually show our eight games have been harder. We've played five away and three at home. Um, I think we all know that playing at Anfield is a bit of an advantage. What, what, do you, what do you think about the rest of the season? Justin, I'll start with you. We're in a tight we're in a tight race. And we will be until we're not. We need to batter the Blues and then win the other three games in the next sequence. And I think that, that yes, it will be interesting when we see some of the other teams come up against more difficult challenges. I said it already. Like I, I'm actually enjoying watching Liverpool play. And despite that loss to, to Spurs, which I strangely, I don't even categorize as a loss. Yeah. And dropping points to, to Brighton, I think that we a lot of the hard work is behind us, and that's fun. It's it's it's, it's I guess it's silly to say that it's only eight games into the season. But what's that? Full Blundell said it's twenty one percent of the season gone so far, which is not an insignificant yeah. not an insignificant percentage. I hate the fact that there's an international break, and I hate it even more that we play we play Everton, who've probably sent one person away to international duty. Uh, after the uh, after the break and a, and a half past seven kickoff, it's good. I think the game's going to be shit. I just uh, just because it's 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 Burnley, it's Burnley like Redux, and but having said that, uh, I, I there's still some things for us to figure out, and I think as the season goes on, injuries permitting, this, this team is going to gel. I think Klopp will figure out where. What, the best way to get the best out of out of McAllister, yeah. I think that you'll see you'll see Darwin Nunez. There's there's so many indicators that he's that he's becoming more of a complete striker for us. Um, I think once all that starts to knit together, I think games game seventeen, you, you'll you'll probably see the the a Reds team that's that'll that'll, that'll be there and thereabouts come May. I, I think it's going to be huge because if Gakpo's back, uh, actually, for the Everton game, because that means that we're going to have at least a couple of players who will not have travelled around the world um, being able to play. I feel like you, you, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I felt really bad that we took one point from two games, then realised that uh, other people are going to struggle with those games too. Uh, and we're three points behind the leaders. Thank you, Dallas. Thank you, Justin. And thank you, dear listener. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share with a friend. Follow us at First Day Copites on Twitter. We only tweet and retweet from sources we think are credible. Finally, music is courtesy of Hypnotic. They're a Welsh electro pop band, and you can find them at https colon forward slash forward slash hyperfollow.com forward slash hypnotic. Hypnotic is H Y P E N O T I C. Thanks so much to them.